Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. On this week's The Kindness Project, exploring outside your bubble, ancient history, and we interview Luke Humphreys from The Money Charity. Hi. And welcome to episode 9 of The Kindness Project. I'm joined today by a girl who can fight like a Viking, philosophise like a Roman, and walk like an Egyptian. It's Charlotte Dames! And I'm here today with wannabe Trivial Pursuit master, Chris Dames. See, I think I'm quite good at Trivial Pursuit. I mean, there's a gaming bar I go to with my mates, and I'm currently reigning Trivial Pursuit champion but not at home you're not uh, well that's the thing at home cassie is currently like the last game was a draw um the game before that i i lost now um who is tribute pursuit champion in your house but certainly it's a bone of contention in ours and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get to win i win back my crown um have you given any more thought about the best piece of trivia have you got any any more pieces of trivia you like because we yeah. spoke about that a little while ago didn't we I don't really know because, oh, okay. I, in all honesty, I'm not a very trivia kind of person. I can yeah, you like to you like your little bubble, don't you? I like my little bubble. I got I yeah. got my little bubble. I don't know much about what's outside my little bubble. Yeah, because I, I just keep it to my own. Do you bubble. do you think there's something to be said for exploring outside a little bubble? Yeah, there's obviously some good to come from exploring outside your little bubble. Obviously, <laughs> your little bubble. I, d- I don't know how many times we're going to say bubble. <laughs> <laughs> but um, obviously, there's some good can come of it because obviously. Yeah, because you don't want to restrict your yeah, view, you do you? Restrict your view of the world. It's like if you were only to look at a world from one person's view. Yeah. Then would you really be seeing the world properly at all? Well, there's an argument to say that. The, the only thing you can do is look at it from your own perception, but taking time to under, try to understand else's. somebody else's worldview, even if it's uh, even if it's diametrically opposed mm. to yours, is worth doing because then you yeah. at least you get a, a fresh new perspective. But I love your love of uh, ancient cultures because I think the Greek and Romans See, were good at that. It, it's more mythology, like yeah. the stories they came up with about the gods and yeah. Like uh, the Egyptians, they believed yeah. that when a person's soul died, they went through 12 gates on the boat of Ra. Yeah. Uh, and at midnight, they, I think it was midnight, they... they Could have been half 11, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they went to the court. What time was it? 9.42? Midnight. Oh, midnight. Um, they were put in front of, I think his name is Osiris, the god, the god of... The is Egypt, he Egyptian? Right, the Egyptian okay. god of death, I think, but no, that was Anubis. Um, and anyway, they their heart was measured against a feather. Oh, we have heard about this. You know, and you know, if their heart was heavier, then they went to well, the you know, previous podcast, we talked about the book and the Amazon TV series American Gods. Yes. So Anubis was in, I think it was Anubis, was in that and did that to people who Did he were, have a jackal head? No, he had a human head. Oh, well, obviously um, all of them had human heads, but... Yeah. To, to see, Anubis is usually depicted with the head I know, of a jackal. Yeah, so he can be depicted as, as both. But the interesting thing, and let's move right on to question of the podcast. Um, out of all of the ancient civilizations you like, what one would you choose to live in? Oh, um, uh, the Greeks, they were really smart. They had some really good opinions. The Romans, they were all about war and combat, but 
Obviously, um, so yeah. the so the Vikings, though, right? Yeah, but uh, there was some nice Viking. Steve, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Steve, Steve the nice Viking, Viking was was a little bit awesome. Um, I no no, uh, uh, there were two actually. Steve the Viking and his wife Rosilda. His mate Alan was alright. Yeah, as his well. mate Alan his was alright. His mate Alan was alright. Um, but the, the Egyptians, uh, they had some really weird god uh, ideas about sacrifices. They thought that some sometimes they thought that if your husband died, you were to be killed as well. And, and then in, thrown in, um, yeah. So the we're, Vikings, they treated their wives like royalty. Okay. So if a man disrespected his wife, she had the right to cut off his lower area and hang it in display in her house. Awesome. Let's they're, they're just quickly move on <laughs> for that. I'm sort of edging towards the Greeks. I don't know about you. <laughs> no, because... I'm to be a Viking woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, whatever floats your boat. Being a Viking is less attractive now you've told me that story, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, but um, it wasn't just that. They they had to ha- they had the money of the household. They were given the money because they were seen to be able to predict future issues and stuff. Gotcha. Um, and also, so, so, if, if a man was divorced by his wife, it wasn't the wife that was shaped. It was the man. Okay. It was never the wife. It was always the man that was shaped. See, I didn't I didn't know that about Norse culture because mm. I assume that Norse culture was quite a masculine leg culture because they've got a reputation of, of aggressive of, violence of, of yeah. pillaging other aggressive not, violence not all of them but like that. but but it's it's interesting you get that so again because of that um, and maybe because the Romans have stepped too far in the wrong direction, I'm going to go with Greece. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Greek. But you'd go with Norse. I'd go with Norse. Okay. Yeah, so, I like some of their gods. So what we want to do is we want to hear from our listeners now. The question of the podcast is if you could choose to live in an ancient civilization, and actually let's open it up. If you could live in any era in the past, what would you choose? Um, now, you can get in touch with us in a number of ways, can't you, Charlotte? Yes. Yeah, uh, the Twitter, uh, on our kindness, H-O-L-A, kindness. So you can get in touch with us on Twitter with Holla Kindness. On email, you can get in touch with us at holla at thekindnessproject.co.uk or you can respond to our individual Twitter handles. Uh, at Charlotte J Dames C-H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E J Dames D-A-E-M-S or Chris Dames C-H-R-I-S D-A-E-M-S so you can get in touch with us uh, personally on Twitter alternatively we've got a Facebook group neither of us know at this point how to get into it but if you visit use the website yeah absolutely use the website www.thekindnessproject.co.uk so feel free to um, get in touch then and feel free to answer any of our previous official question of the podcast questions which were the most philosophical one I can probably think of that we did is, Mo- is most people generally good yeah that was one so that feel one we're trying to find out. so so feel free to, um, uh, to the one about your favourite book characters would you be more like your favourite book characters yeah and yeah. we're really interested in your favourite piece of trivia ever um, as long as it's not about the emasculisation of men in Norse culture because <laughs> I'm not after hearing the story today I'm a bit set, I'm a bit scared about that so what's your favorite piece of trivia um and again today's one is what ancient civilization would you go back and visit oh uh and also don't fear uh, don't be afraid to ask us questions and you can also 
answer the unofficial ones as well. Yeah, the most pertinent unofficial one is what if you don't like pigs in blankets, why? <laughs> I, I think we like, talked about pigs in blankets before. But so, more importantly, if you think Nick Cage is a genuinely good actor, what are you on about, frankly? Because <laughs> I'm still I'm still remaining unconvinced. We would like you to point out the good points about Nicolas Cage. Well, yeah, give us the positives. We're we're all about sort of positive positiveness and kindness. If you think Nick Cage is good, please email us with an example. But more importantly than that, this is a podcast about sharing stories of kindness. So what we'd like to hear is your... <laughs> we, we, we've been too busy talking about eggs and sausage pigs in blankets and ancient Egyptian culture and Nick Cage, and Nick Cage to, uh, to think about what this podcast is all about. And the podcast at its heart is about sharing stories of kindness and helping all of us become kinder people by just providing practical tips on how to do that. So, with that in mind, should we get on with the show? Yes. Hello and welcome to this podcast. <clears throat> Kindness news. So, we are basically going to be telling you about news stories of kindness. Oh, oh, okay, that's fine. I'm surprised the kindness news um, uh, jingle isn't changing to Skaterboy by Avril Lavigne because you quite <laughs> like that song at the moment, I don't you? For this week's kindness news, mm. let me take you to one of my favourite places in the world. Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> not Romford. Not, not, not Romford. Funny enough, Romford is up there on my places I'd like to avoid list. They've got, they've got a good cheap cinema. So let me take... Uh, the, the cheap cinema is not bad, is it? Mm. They've got a good cheap cinema. But let me take you to one of my places in the world. So good they named it twice. Romford, Romford. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, New York, New York, the Big Apple. Where what a number of kindergartens, a number of infant schools are doing is trying to teach something that's not always been considered an academic subject... Kindness. kindness. So they're oh. teaching kindness. And they're doing this in really simple ways so that they can help the younger kids understand the importance mm. of kindness. So one thing they ask is, how are you feeling? And they get some really funny uh, funny answers. Um, Happy, one girl said. Sick, <laughs> said another. And apparently that happens all the time. The teacher who's spearheading the work said, our world is a kind of a scary place. And we can't always control what's happening outside, but what we can teach them is how they respond. Mm -hmm. So even though often these young kids can't control what happens in their lives, they can control what they do about it and the action they take. Really interestingly, that sounds like something that I'm really interested in around philosophy called Stoicism, which often talks about the fact that even though you can't control anything else in the world... You can control the actions you take. Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're all human, right? Sometimes it's tough to do that, but you can control your thoughts, feelings, or you can try to control your thoughts, feelings reactions and how you respond to the outside world and actually i think you've got a choice to either respond uh, positively positively with kindness with love with care and with affection or respond negatively um which does nobody any benefits longer term um so what this kindness curriculum talks about and teaches these kids Mm -hmm. is coping techniques so it talks about mindfulness it talks about um resilience and it talks about uh, being 
just generally awesome to your fellow man, to these kids really young. Now, I actually think that that's a really positive step in the right direction because the younger you teach children about some of the techniques to help them become better people, as well as some coping techniques when things don't go wrong. The more um, embedded it is in. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and of, often you, I mean, you could argue that sometimes that should be done by the families of these kids, mm. but if they're in environments where that's not happening, I actually think doing it in school is quite a, yeah. a, a great thing to do. What do, what do you think? Would, would, you, would you think that kids of, sort of Sophie's age, five, six years old, would benefit from a kindness kind of training, mindfulness? training coping techniques I mean if you went full blown coping techniques Mm. stoicism on them I think it'd probably go over some of their heads yeah but look we haven't got to talk about like stoic philosophers but mm. talking about some of the ideas of stoicism yeah. to young kids is is i i actually yeah. think might be a useful thing to do mm. yeah i think i think that'd be useful yeah yeah so again there it's a school in jackson heights in new york city and it's part of the kindness curriculum which is been developed by a university in in america the university of wisconsin and that's not always easy to say win wisconsin no no wisconsin (laughs) you're confusing me so kindest news story of this week is in one of my favorite places in the world not romford new york city (laughs) they're teaching kids resilience the principles of stoicism and how important it is just to be generally awesome people and be kind to, to each other. The kindness curriculum, that has a ring to it. it it's quite good, the kindness curriculum, isn't it? Oh. Uh, almost as good as the kindness projects. So, <laughs> so that's it for Kindness News this week. We'll see you next time. So today I'm joined by Luke Humphrey from the Money Charity. And uh, Luke, if you don't mind, we'll spend some time exploring a little bit about the Money Charity, yeah. what it does. So you can help me understand a little bit about how you uh, spread a little bit of kindness in the world, really. Yeah, yeah, that um, sounds great. So, awesome. Um, so first of all, I, I know I know I didn't send you this question in advance, but I like to surprise people a bit. Yeah, come on. Before man. we talk about the <laughs> before we talk about the charity, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, so um, I am currently in my first job with the charity um i recently graduated from the university of leeds in july uh as i was saying to you before i'm from bristol originally and yeah And what, what, made you, what made you go into the charity sector? Was that always an aspiration? It was always something I wanted to do. I always felt like I wanted to do a job which involved helping people in some way. Um, and I was rubbish at things like science and maths, so I knew I wasn't going to go into you know medicine and stuff. So, so re, being a researcher was off the cards, right? Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I did a degree in international development. Um, I was just fascinated in the way that um, other countries um, in other parts of the world came came to be how they are in, in their position in the world and um when I found the money charity I was just it just seemed so kind of straightforward you know I, I um had worked part-time when I was at university and 
had no idea what tax codes were. I was building up a student debt that I didn't really know much about when I first applied to university and, and I'd never received any financial education. I read about the charity, read about the, the job and just thought it just, it just makes so much sense. You know, why, why is there not more of an emphasis in schools on teaching kids about money management, about the kind of things to do with taxes and insurance and mortgages that are going to come up later in their life? It's, it's kind of really a necessary life skill. Yeah, absolutely. Up to the point where you uh, went to university, you didn't have a shred of financial education, or there not really. Only, only. Um, so I had, you know, um, kind of like citizenship lessons in schools where they talk about um, drugs, uh, sex ed, and possibly talked about money if they did i don't remember it um and it would have been one lesson out of the whole year but yes i i just thought you know i when i signed up to uh to go to uni i didn't know that for example uh, my student debt would have interest on it i just wasn't told so so it's just it's just things like that you know you don't um if, if someone doesn't tell you and you know unfortunately i wasn't the most um kind of adventurous kid myself looking at all these things myself because they just look like really uh, uninteresting financial stuff at the time. It, it just kind of passes you by until you have to uh, learn it the hard way when you're older. Gotcha. And I, I think I think you're right. I think when you get uh, thrown into, even though so you might have support of parents or yeah. support the people around you, there's certainly a sort of step <coughs> where you take where sort of the knowledge you've got is. It's not enough <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. to make some of the decisions you need to yeah. make. Certainly. So, so that, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, tell me a little bit about the money charity, the work you do. Yeah, so like I was saying, uh, the thing that attracted me is just the, the straightforwardness of, of the work they do. It just makes so much sense. So yeah. we're the UK's financial capability charity. Uh, so you know, the main thing we do is go into schools and then also adults as well. We go and do workshops with them and yeah. uh, just talk to people about money management. You know, we're not there to sell anything or you know, yeah. flog off a product. It's lit- it's just sit down for an hour, two hours, however long it is. Talk to people about. Their their worries about money, how they view money, what their spending patterns are, and just kind of help people see things in the right way when they think about money. So they're not constantly worried, constantly, you know, having that extra thing in their mind. So for kids as well, you know, to, to talk to them about things like what what would you expect your income to be? What what would your what right now is is your um is your targets to spend money on yeah. and we we've, we've had some great responses in the past of kids coming up with some great ideas about what they want to spend their money on but then they start thinking about oh my my mum and dad have to make this decision every day about what to spend food on what to spend uh, gotcha. on when they want to go on holiday or want to buy something nice for themselves and they have to think about their income taxes mortgages and it and i think it ma- makes them really think about think those about. decisions in the future and also appreciate yeah. the amount of decisions their parents make so you know what i think i think you're right i think uh, when you you know we i've, I've done a, a couple of projects and set in a, on a couple of financial education set sessions yeah. run by uh, an organization called red star that yeah, yeah, yeah in this yeah. area really really good um and some of the uh, some of the kids, particularly the younger kids, sort of, sort of eight or nine, had some awesome answers about yeah. sort of what they want to spend money on. I think I think one of them was, yeah, I, I think by the time that I'm older, uh, I'll I'll be able to buy a, a rocket. Whether Kim Jong Un was a North Korea thing, I'm hoping it's more of a space exploration. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. I, I didn't know, but 
So some some people, some kids, you know, just say the usual, oh, when I'm older, you know, I want a house and a car and stuff is very straightforward. And then, you know, like like you said, there's some out there ones like talking about rockets. And uh, we've had ones before just saying, I, I just want to buy loads of dogs. They just want they just wanted a house full of dogs. <laughs> we had that as well. But then we've, we've had some. Um, so we do kind of budgeting as well to get them to look at how much money they spend now on things. We've had kids say, um, oh, they've worked out the sums in their head and they spend 180 quid. I think it was 182 quid. One of our kids recently said they were spending on chewing gum because they just bought some every day, every day or every week pretty much after school. And they were like, oh, I don't need to spend that. I, I can spend that on something else. I, I can save that up or put it in a, in a savings account or I can spend it on something bigger that makes me happier. And that, that, was, that was really rewarding to hear that they had worked that out just by kind of looking at how they spend their money every, every day and properly think about it. That's um, that's quite a chewing gum habit, though, mm-hmm. right? I mean, 182 quid a, a, a yeah. month on, on chewing gum is, is quite a lot of Wrigley's <laughs> yeah. uh, or Hubba Bubba or whatever. I haven't, I haven't had chewing gum for, for like, 20 odd years. I'm no, it's, it's like, very much a school thing, I think. It is, isn't it? It is. So tell, tell me a story about how um, uh, your work has had an impact on people's lives. Yeah, so we, we like I said, you know, that that, that was one um, kind of case of a kid finding extra money. But we get plenty of uh, ad- adults in our adult workshops. You know, they're, they're people who come along quite often have, have low incomes and are just struggling to get by and need to yeah. need to have some advice, some help and, and a different way to look at things. And we've, we've had uh, one woman recently come back to to another workshop she came for a second one and she said since since she came to the first one she properly sat down looked at her budget talked to her family about it which she'd never done you know talk, talking about money with her family was you know a taboo it was a no-no basically uh, and she said since then she's actually started saving up money just where she can find it she doesn't she you know she realizes she doesn't have to go into costa and buy a coffee she'll just bring in a flask from home it saves two two quid every time she does it and then so she went on holiday in the end to uh, Swansea and that was she was saying it was the first time she's been on holiday to visit family there Lovely. she had spending money it just some that that is something that you know when when you're not on much money and you've got a lot of worries to be able to do that and save that money up and go on a holiday it's just so, so nice you know certainly I love it absolutely love it and how do adults get involved in the uh, the sessions do they sign up <laughs> do you advertise it yeah so right now we have kind of two areas we have a space for vulnerable adults um, so today for example we are working with another charity who help uh, homeless people and people who sleep rough in London and so we're going over there to do a uh, workshop on you know uh, independent living how to do what kind of get get jobs in their situation to be able to kind of break that cycle that they're in uh, and so they can other community groups can contact us and say we want a workshop for the people that we help uh, whether that's you know uh, homeless people um, we've done one recently with young adults with autism uh, and then we also have workplace um, workshops as well so an em- employer can call up and say uh, yeah and we, we're trying we're trying to build you know if somebody wants to come and um, just do one without being attached to a community group or a uh, workplace and that's something we're developing as well over the next few years, I think. You're going to look at building 
maybe yeah. it's uh, so it's all about collaboration, right? You know, it's yeah. you're you're in a position where you work with other organisations to where you're aligned to support yeah. the goal of helping people understand money a bit better. Do you um you know, you know you mentioned earlier on about not having any financial education. Mm-hmm. I suppose in my in my mind, I think about whether it should be part of the core curriculum. Yeah. Um, and why not? So why do you, why do you think it isn't? talk more in schools yeah. or universities. It's, it's a tricky thing because it, it was introduced uh, it was supposed to be introduced as part of the curriculum in 2014 um, and, and you know we most people in the industry were absolutely ecstatic with that you know it's kind of like we've finally gotten the message across to the education yeah. system to government but since then we've not seen much of a, a big impact a big yeah. effect because it kind of has turned into a box ticking exercise that is just thrown in with like I was saying before you know maybe I would have had a lesson I barely would remember it because it's just part of um, <laughs> just just a bunch of things to do with, with uh, drugs education maybe like a employability lessons and stuff like that um, so it's thrown it's thrown in with the sort of PHSE yeah yeah and it, yeah. It, it's very awkward in that position because the thing is the stuff that you'll be talking about it, it, it involves numeracy it involves financial literacy as well yeah. so there's bits of it in other parts of subjects like English and maths. Um, so it's it's not you know completely fitting to just PSHE. Um, and of course, you know te- teachers are very busy people, and it's hard to get all of these different things on the curriculum. You know, one group wants to talk about financial education, another wants to talk about um, uh, acrobatics and circus skills, and another yeah. one wants to talk about um, making sure that sports and PE is still part of it and just just it's a lot of, we know it's a lot for them to work out a proper plan so that's why we um, provide teacher resource packs as well so these are uh, packs of uh, material which can essentially help the teacher structure the whole lesson so you know teachers aren't necessarily any more financially capable than anyone else um so this is a way for them to look at it and say okay i feel like i have the confidence now to go and teach this i have this quality material um and information to help the kids be able to understand what we're talking about when we talk about planning and budgeting and things like mortgages and taxes and we do it in an engaging way i think a lot of people would say oh kids don't want to know about that stuff but they do they are really interested most of the time they want to know what their parents spend money on they want to know if their parents are constantly going on about how the mortgage is eating up their money what does that mean why why is that there what why do they have to have a mortgage? Why do they have to pay taxes and things like that? It's, it's something which I think isn't as dry and boring as um, people think for kids. Well, I think I think the interesting the interesting thing there is something you mentioned about <laughs> being uh, being included in sort of these ancillary sort of subjects that mm. aren't, aren't considered core in education. Yeah, certainly I think the relevance of financial education is a lot more than some of the other sort of ancillary things that you'd expect Mm. and I I think there is an argument to say it should be more part of the core curriculum and I don't know why it isn't but that's uh, that's a different different argument. Um, It's really interesting because when we work with clients and I run a financial planning business Mm -hmm. but when we work with clients a lot of what we do is 
is a little bit about education, helping them yeah. understand what the right route is, but also a lot about uh, sort of teaching behaviours and talking yeah. about um, uh, overcoming biases and, and sort of thinking more pragmatically and practically about doing the right things around money. Yeah. So how much of the work you do is about just just knowledge, just education, and how much is about exploring behaviour? Yeah, so I think we look at we look at both quite a lot. You know, the knowledge side of things, you know, we don't, like I said, we don't we don't go there to sell any kind of products and stuff. So the knowledge side of things is just getting that basic understanding of um, why you need contents insurance or home insurance or why you would need to take out a mortgage for a house and things like that. Then we also look we do we do look at especially in the adult sphere, kind of people's spending patterns, what they think when they think about uh, credit and debt. You know, there's a wide variety of uh, ways to think about uh, credit card spending. Some people don't want a credit card. They don't want any kind of loan. They, they, they just hate the idea of being in debt whatsoever. And there's some people who would um, spend all of their money through their credit card and would just kind of be like, well, it's there. I just pay it off in minimum repayments. Um, so there's that, that, that real difference between people who would never want to touch uh, a kind of credit product and people who rely on it completely and we quite often find you know the best resolve is is somewhere in the middle you know if you need if you need a credit product then just make sure you're getting the very best one for you it's, it's not it's not the big scary thing uh, but at the same time probably not best to rely on it and make only your minimum repayments on it and so it just creates you know pro- problem debt rather than just a bit of debt yeah okay awesome i i'm a bit of a fan of really uh really unusual <coughs> trivia so give me give me the best piece of money trivia yeah <laughs> okay well, i'll give it my best shot so i we we produce um money stats once every month and they're just a rundown of loads of different um statistics to do with savings mortgages and um since since i started back in october there's been plenty that just jump out of me um they're just quite shocking sometimes a little bit depressing so uh, one of them that we have is that um a survey found that 35 percent of people in the uk have no savings whatsoever um okay, and huge number. yeah yeah massive so that's that's a lot of people who you know you, they experience uh, any small financial shock a boiler breakdown a, um they need to replace their washing machine or fridge and it suddenly they they have to take out uh, a loan to cover it. They don't have any savings buffer. Um, And then the recent one we had was uh, we found that looking at the Office for National Statistics, uh, wages in real terms haven't risen at all since February 2017. That that was a bit of a depressing one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a long, it's a, it's a long term, it's a long term plan, right? You know, Mm. uh, empowering people with financial education is it's never going to be an immediate quick fix, is it? It's no, um, no. The, the longer term, the longer term yeah. thing. But, but yeah, that's right. My favourite is uh, something, and I can't remember where I got the stat from. I, I wrote about it uh, mm. probably a couple of months ago now. That fifty-three percent of people uh, know what APR means, yeah. um, as in like the annual percentage rate, yeah. and um, seventy-four people percent of people know what LLL means. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, we might have a bit of work to do, but that's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, that really demonstrates it. Yeah, I think there's a challenge in making these sort of subjects more engaging. Yeah, you know, yeah. If, if we, um, I think we could probably learn a lot from the way that um, we communicate nowadays, potentially sort of looking at how we 
improve the way we talk about these sort of things. Mm. But if you had a if you had a magic wand and you could change yeah. one thing to support the people you help today, what would it be? I think I'd want um, them to all feel much more confident about their financial situation, about how they feel when they talk about finances. Because people come in these groups and sit down and talk to us, and usually it can be a bit awkward at first because no one really wants to say the first thing and just say, you know, I have this issue, I have... But as soon as they do, they realise that there's so many other people in the room that are the same in the same situation saying, yeah, my, you know, my income doesn't add up to having money left over every month, you know, it's tricky to make ends meet yeah. all the time. I'm having to rely on credit cards through this. And then they feel much better about their situation because they know there's other people around them with them. And then we, we sit there and we kind of say to them, you know... Um, it's good not to bury your head in the sand about this this thing. You know, go and talk to your creditor. Tell them if you're struggling to make repayments. You know, we we always say the worst thing to do is just to not be in contact with um, creditors because uh, they'll just see you yeah, as not making any effort, and you just get it gets yeah. worse and worse. And I think yeah, a lot of people just need that that little boost of confidence to be like, okay, I know how to sort it out now. I feel like I've got the tools. I've got these materials that tell me how to talk to a creditor and um, how to talk to people who are in the council when I need to sort out paying off my council tax. Um, and it. It, it just really changes the way that they look at their money when they know that they're not, they're not, you know, awful people because they have to, yeah. they have a bit of debt or then they're, they're not awful because they're not saving any money and maybe they spend a bit too much here and there. Um, yeah, but- and that transformation is, is really, really positive to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it's that problem shared, isn't it? Yeah. So the problem shared, problem halved. As soon as you start talking about it with, uh, you know, it, sort of in my life, certainly, uh, you know, for us, it's about Cassie and I having a partnership to mm. understand our money, as opposed to as opposed to me sitting on my own worrying about it. And yeah. that problem shared, problem halved. It's a shame. That, I mean. It's, a real shame that a lot of people number one I think there's some stigma related to, to talking about money yeah still. yeah definitely um, yeah yeah we, um, we we still struggle with it in in schools you know convincing parents and teachers to talk about it because they certainly. they they don't feel like they want their kids asking questions about it um but yeah, it, yeah. it is something you know you you start talking about it and it really opens up a whole new dialogue with the people around you and it makes you feel a lot better about it. people know the situation you're in they're more likely to, to give you a break if you if you need a bit of extra help or it, it just it just makes things a lot easier for you you know what luke i think people are generally good aren't they? i mean uh, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe i've got my rose tinted glasses on then uh, but my observation is that if somebody knows a little bit about your situation yeah. number one uh, it makes people feel more comfortable to put their hand up and yeah. go you know what? I've I've been there. I've suffered from that. I've struggled Completely, with yeah. that. And this is what you know. This is what I learned through that process. Mm. But also, um, but also, uh, people want to help out. I think mm-hmm. if, if you if you put your hand up, but it's uh, it's pride and ego often gets in the way yeah. of some of those uh, some some of those uh, people just Completely. saying like, I need some help. I'm, you know, putting your hand up and saying I need some help is one of the most difficult things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially with um, money, there is a lot of pride in in being able to be good with your money. So if if you feel like you're not, then it's it's like a great shame. But it's really not. You know, you just need to talk openly about it, and it like say problem problem shared problem halved yeah yeah great um 
So, what's the um, what's the future hold for the manager So we we you know we just want to push getting into more schools, doing more education because uh, we feel that's really vital. You know, the feedback we've had from our um, school workshops has been fantastic, and we want to continue reaching out to more places. You know, fighting for its place on the curriculum to be to be properly there you know and then yeah. in, in the adult workshop you know we've seen that improve massively over the past year or so uh, reaching out to more vulnerable adults as well which we know are, are more susceptible to um, getting into problem debt because they don't understand the financial products that they're purchasing um, okay. and so we, we think that, that that work there is also really really um, valuable to making sure that um, those people are on top of their money and uh, are able to money, manage their money properly. Awesome. And, and how can our listeners help? Um, so we have a website, www.themoneycharity.org.uk. Uh, you can go on there and look at the uh, resources we offer, teacher resource packs, uh, student money manual for future students, uh, a regular money manual for adults. Uh, we currently uh, have a marathon runner uh, for the London Marathon in April. Uh, so you can, there's a whole press release and everything about that. You can view that on our website and donate. Um, and you can also donate through Next Gen Planners. Um, so they are a um, organization which have uh, partnered with us and you can um, donate money to sponsor a school workshop and uh, you can choose a workshop in your local area and so you can be part of making sure the kids in your local area maybe your own kids are financially educated yeah certainly that's awesome and what we'll do is we'll make sure that on the show notes on the <laughs> kindness project website we've yeah. got links to um the next gen planners partnership yeah. the guy who's running the marathon and the and the and the money charity website too yeah. so that we've got yeah sounds there. fantastic it's, yeah and we'll be raving about it as well on on social yeah. media as much as we can yeah and we'll, we'll share that um is your marathon runner a first-time marathon runner? Yes, yes. So this is his, well, this is his first marathon. This is our first marathon runner, should I say. Yeah. Okay. So this is the first time we're in a London marathon. Um, we're very happy to have, uh, Tim is his name. Uh, we're very happy to have him on board. And um, he's looking at uh, possibly trying to break a world record as well as oh, the so. uh, fastest marathon run as a tree, I believe. So, <laughs> so if it, his, his idea is to go dressed as a money tree uh, he just has to run it in under four and a half hours and okay. hopefully that should mean he gets the uh, world record you know what I've got, I've got a bit of a minor obsession with world records yeah. everybody everybody seems to have a world record for me <laughs> uh, but um, I, I love the fact that not only is Tim trying to break the world record of doing, doing the marathon as a tree but there's somebody who's done it before in four and a half hours no it's just no um, like, actually no one's done it before but I think I think oh, the I idea think. is that it has to be broken within that time for it to count as like a, a fast marathon gotcha Gotcha. Yeah. The only I, I did my first marathon um, last year. I did the Paris mm. marathon, and the only record I I was even close <laughs> to beating was the slowest marathon ever. Great. <laughs> it was that bad, but I, I, I got round it. I got round yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's awesome. Thank, thanks for your time, Luke. No, no, no thank you. you. It's I been really great. Appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Yeah. Um, and um, please do, if you listen to this. Um, visit the Money Charity website. Yeah, 
Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank no, you, Chris. No worries. Okay. Have a really good weekend, mate. Yeah, you uh, too. You too. Okay, we've come to the end of another podcast. So what did you think of my interview with uh, Luke, Luke Humphrey? Luke, Luke Humphrey. I thought we, we agreed it was Humphrey, Luke Humphrey. Uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking Luke, Luke Humphrey, I think. And what are you think? Being rebellious. That is, that is the benefit of having uh, two names that could be first names. Humphrey Luke or Luke Humphrey. It could mm. work. No? Well, I wanted to talk about what we usually talk about this time of the podcast because we've just come to an end. Oh, no! <laughs> I wanted to talk about last week's <laughs> question in the podcast. Answered this week, answered last week, answered this week. Okay, so what's, what's, what was last week's question in the podcast? Answered this week, answered last week, answered this week. Oh, well, I believe it was... Um, whether Luke should be called Luke Luke Humphrey or Luke Humphrey. That's something entirely separate. <laughs> it was if you could sing one song perfectly then what would it be easy rag and bone man human i don't know if i mentioned that last week i we we had a karaoke night friday didn't we charlotte Mm -hmm. and i sang that and it i almost scared your friends didn't i (laughs) i mean i think halfway through they were getting into it and then at the end they were like i can't believe you let your dad sing i mean it was i had to i had to um why did you have to? It was funny. Uh, oh, cheers. Right, but if I could sing one song perfectly today, um, I'd I'd sing that or James Brown, the boss, because I'm I'm proper I'm probably into that song at the minute. Wow. However, other people had different answers, didn't they? Yes. Um, Benjamin Fabi. Yeah. Uh, Nessun Dorma. Nessun. <laughs> I'm not. Shall I not sing all no. of this? Uh, okay. Um, I've I've never heard that song before. So you've never heard no, Nessun Dorma? No. Have you, are you joking? You've never heard Nessun Dorma? No, I've never heard this. That is an incredible song. I will play you in Nessun Dorma once we're done. Okay. It's um, uh, it's like uh, um. Have you ever heard of Pavarotti? No. Darren Cook. That's how you say it. Uh, I'm very uncertain about name pronunciation. Uh, what, Cook? Yeah, but it's got an E on the end. Cookie. <laughs> no, it's actually Cook. All right, he said Mr. Blue Sky, which I love that song. Now, that is that is an incredibly good track, isn't it, Mr. Blue Sky? Uh-huh. Um, so so I, I really like that song. Actually, I'm not sure whether he means, like, you know all this synthesised bit where he goes, Mr. Blue Sky. I'm not sure whether he means those bits or just the would he would he want to do all of it or would he want to just the main bits? We'll have to we'll have to find I out. Suppose it's the whole song. I would love to be able to do a synthesized voice without actually having synthesizers. That'd be so true, cool. True. Okay. Um, another cook, John Cook. Without an E. Without an E. Uh, it's a bridge over troubled water or life on Mars. Is that John John Cook or is that John Cook? John Cook. Uh, John John Cook. No, is that cook. Darren Darren Cook? No, it's Cook. John Cook. <laughs> Like a bridge. He also said, or oh, Russ Abbott's atmosphere. Oh, what a tune. I mean, that is like 80. What's the cheesiest modern song you know? Cheesiest? Yeah. You'd probably have to listen to some kids' TV show soundtracks for that. Fair enough. Um, but Russ Abbott's atmosphere was, uh, it was a guy, I know I know we're going through a bit of an 80s education with you at the minute, Charlotte, uh-huh. but uh, Russ Abbott was a, a 80s comedian who also Don't decided to... me. I have heard the song before. Have you, you've heard of Russ Abbott's Atmosphere? Why are you not singing it right now, then? Because it is quite catchy. Pretty sure it's the one that goes, Atmosphere. Uh, yeah, yeah, go on. I love a party. <laughs> <laughs> As it go? No, I'm not singing it It again. goes, Oh, what an atmosphere. 
I love a party with a happy atmosphere. Is that the end? Yeah, that's all I know. Let me, let me, let me uh, carry on singing. Uh, Deborah Myers had an answer. She said, uh, Tina Turner. River Deep Mountain High. River Deep Mountain High, which is an awesome track. I love that. Uh, Karina had an answer for me. She said, I will always... Is that the wrong one? <laughs> What was it? What was you trying to say? I will always love you. Oh, cheers, Charlotte. I I will always love you too. But yeah, who sung I will always love you, do you know? Nope. So uh, that was uh, Dolly Parton originally. Um, but then Whitney Houston. <laughs> I don't know who's meant to be singing that. Sounds a bit like Coldplay. Um, uh, Heidi Ball said, a song that I ended up like a couple of years ago when the film first came out, hearing and then singing constantly because I couldn't get, get out of my head. Uh, and that was... Let it go, let, let it, it go. Don't Can't hold it back, hold it back anymore. Please hold it back some more. Um, and, you hold um, it back. Uh, and then, and then there was a conversation on Facebook that went around the lines of there should be a Cockney version of Let It Go, just called Turn It In. And I can imagine that, can't you? Right. And then, and then, and then there was a bit of a conversation about um, about lyrics. Uh, and then Heidi went. Turn it in, turn it in, shut up and drink your gin. And then John had a little bit of a uh, alternative suggestion. But what do you reckon? What do you reckon on a sort of alternative Cockney version of Let It Go called Turn It In? I think. I think they're having a babble, didn't you? I think it'd be about pubs and stuff. It would be about and pubs. And football and. I don't know. Well, are you saying that you're. Why are you sort of plugging into the broad race, uh, sort of geographical stereotypes that all EastEnders like the pub and football. Didn't say all, oh, I just said it's the stereotype. <laughs> okay, so uh, they that was our answers to the question of the podcast last week, this week, last week. But we also had some comments on kindness. And Chris Haycock, who um, has agreed to come on a future podcast, uh, kindness project podcast as a guest because i think his input will be hugely valuable he's one of the kindest guys that i know um said kindness once shunned as a weakness there's a new revolution happening where people are beginning to show a little more compassion especially in business and i agree with that charlotte we hopefully we're seeing a lot more of that i used to think that kindness was something that had to be put to one side when running a business now it's the backbone of almost everything i do and it's working well so chris haycock is a phenomenal guy um uh, fantastically um successful so i asked him uh, uh what's the kindest thing someone has ever done for you and chris said probably the time when somebody helped me out when I was homeless and gave me a bed for a few weeks in their family house. Now, that is an incredible thing to do, and obviously yeah. it's had a massive impact on Chris's life. So what do you think of that? I think, yeah, that's probably important, because obviously if you're sitting out, and it depends on really whether it was, depends on the harsh, how harsh the client was, but it, it is important still. Yeah. My words are probably very muddled right now. Oh, uh, harsh, harsh climate is is what you were trying harsh to say. Climate. But certainly, somebody having faith in another human being and, and mm. giving them a home is is brilliant. And I know that um, I know that Chris is a massive advocate of um, helping people out too. So certainly, um, certainly an example, a shining paragon of kindness in Chris Haycock. But what does that word mean? A shining paragon. It means like a standout example. Okay. 
I'll have to search the word Paragon then. Okay. Um, so that's it for another Kindness Project. Um, we'll see you next time and have an awesome week until next episode. Bye. Bye.